Well, it's time to get back to work for the Ohio State Buckeyes, definitely for the Cincinnati Bengals, and uh, definitely for the Cleveland Browns, yeah. as tonight the Browns take on the New York Jets in Monday Night Football. Browns haven't been on Monday Night Football for a long, long time. They're going to be in primetime a lot, and if they sink to 0-2, Chris, it's going to be very tough to make the playoffs because these Jets uh, do not have Sam Darnold, do not have a couple other guys. Uh, it's early to be a must-win, but because of who the Jets don't have and how the Browns played in Week 1, I think it's a must-win for them. Questionable kicking game for the Jets, too. Look, I think it is a must-win because it's a fragile team. They might not say they're fragile, but history tells us different. If you start 0-2 in a season, your chances of make the playoffs are somewhere around 12 to 15%. Mm-hmm. All right, this is a playoff team in their minds, and after the debacle that we had last week for the Browns, I expect a totally different team. I expect they respond, and they will respond well. Not worried about Baker Mayfield and that offense. I think the, the offense is fine. I want to see how this defense can take advantage of an undermanned Jets offense. That's the key. And if they can do that, it should be interesting. And, of course, we have the subplot with Greg Triple G Williams. Yes. And OBJ accusing him of teaching dirty play, which, you know, you got better be careful of doing that. I don't, I don't think that – a coach could never cause a player to be a dirty football player. Could Can't never force do it. it to. No, yeah, never. Would never. it inspire you as a Jets defensive player if an opponent like Odell Beckham Jr. said that about your defensive coordinator? I could care less. Okay. You know, I, I mean, some people think that. Yeah, you know, I I think at certain levels, uh, whether that's high school or or college. I think that can be the case, but you know, you're these NFL guys. I got too too many other things to worry about besides my defensive coordinator's feelings. I don't care. He doesn't care about my feelings. He cares about my production. I don't care about his feelings. I care about whether he's going to call a good game or not. Um, two guys with <laughs> reputations. <laughs> yes. Odell Beckham has a reputation, and Greg Triple G Williams has a reputation. So. I don't know. To me, it was just a lot of drama. I was surprised Odell did it. Again, we talked about Odell with the watch and the needless distraction. I think this is a needless distraction. I mean, you don't have to. You can feel that. And it's fine. And Odell Beckham has an injury history related to playing against Greg Williams' defenses, and he can believe that. And I have no problem with him believing that, given Greg Williams' history. But again, you bring a distraction on your football yeah. team when you do that. And I don't believe that it's one of those situations where you say, well, I'm going to create a distraction where I'm the focus to take the pressure off Baker Mayfield. I don't think Odell is doing that. No, I don't know if that's in his mindset. Although Odell Beckham does have a uh a claim to make i don't know if you're ref- talking about the play where the high ankle spray yeah he's coming across the middle and a guy goes right at his knee yeah. i mean that that but that's not on greg williams that's on that player that player made a poor decision i don't know if it was intentional or not i'm not in his head or his brain i don't know if he's trying to take the knee of obj i have no idea it was a dirty shot and a shot that was unnecessary yeah, so Odell Beckham goes in there tonight. The Browns uh, certainly should win this football game, kick off around 8.15 on ESPN, and we'll see what we get. And we'll be reflecting on that on Wednesday. Uh, there's not a whole lot to reflect on from your game in Cincinnati yesterday. Man, the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, who oddly enough came out of a week one loss with tons and tons of optimism, uh, now whew, uh, they are who we thought they were in terms of a team – uh, in the Tua Tungavaloa sweepstakes because they looked horrible yesterday. <sighs> how does how does that happen? Is that there was a lot of talk on the on the web afterward about Kyle Shanahan out coaching Zach Taylor? Is it disparity of talent? Is it just one team flat? I mean, 
what do you see when you see a result like that? Are you aware of who Peter Schrager is yeah. on, on Good Morning Football? He's yeah. a friend of mine, and, and then we talk quite a bit. So he texted me this morning, and he asked me, are the 49ers that good and the Bengals that bad? I said, the 49ers aren't that good, but they're really good. Mm-hmm. They're a really good football team. The Bengals uh, are not a great football team, but they're not that bad. That was not the team that went up and played in Seattle. Uh, offensively, they just couldn't get in any rhythm. Defensively, it was probably the worst performance of a Cincinnati Bengal defense since last year. How's that? Yeah, since, yeah, since <laughs> last year. Because here, here's the thing. They, they, just, they were slipping. They missed tackles. They couldn't get off blocks. And they were a mental bust. That's not the team that I saw play against Seattle. Now, what they have to do is they have to get it together. This is, you know, teams can look different each week. I mean, the Cincinnati Bengals aren't that bad of a football team. Watch the Atlanta Falcons beat the Philadelphia Eagles last night. The Atlanta Falcons looked awful against the Minnesota Vikings. Then they come back and beat Philadelphia. These are professional football players, NFL football players, and I expect the Bengals should bounce back. Now, Zach Taylor, I. I think he's a, he's a good coach. He's the right coach for the, for the Bengals. I really do. You just you know you can't hire a guy and say okay, win every game right now. No. There's a system that's being put in place. This is the third offense in three years that Andy Dalton is going to run and is running. When they get AJ Green back, it's going to be a very effective offense. They've had some horrible. I'm not making excuses. I'm just putting no, facts. I mean, it's a reality. They've had some horrible injuries. On the offensive line, Cordy Glenn, he's been out, right? Starting tackle. You're sure. trying to put Andre Smith in there. He got injured yesterday. You look at Michael Jordan. He got carted off yesterday, unfortunately, the yeah, uh, guard from Buckeye. rookie from Ohio State. And, Jonah and Williams, number one. Jonah Williams no, overall gets hurt yesterday, or has not been playing. So he's out for the year. So all these factors add up. But I do think the Bengals are heading in the right direction, even though that wasn't the case yesterday. And one other point I want to make, and I made it numerous times on the broadcast, and people used to laugh at me because they go back to one call. Kyle Shanahan is the best offensive mind in NFL today. I am telling you what he's able to generate, what he's able to generate with backups last year, Yeah, able to get George Kittle the ball last year, and be able to set plays up and future plays up by running certain plays just to set future plays up. Nobody does it better than Kyle Shanahan. And I just want to make one last point on this yeah. because when when I was saying that, people were looking at me, you're nuts, you're crazy. What about the Super Bowl when he could have run the ball up when they were toward? I said, that's Dan Quinn's decision. Yes, it is. That's not Kyle Shanahan's decision. So, And to confirm it, two weeks in a row, I take little surveys when I do these production meetings. I don't like to waste coaches' time. I spend 10 minutes with them at the most. I asked them who when who's the best play caller in the game? And two for two, Kyle Shanahan. Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator for the Bengals, guy's the best in the business. Yeah. He is the best in the business. Well, uh, I thought the way you guys showed it yesterday, there was a there were two plays you showed like a run left and then you throw it a pass. I think it was to Kittle across yeah. the middle, off the same exact same action. look. Uh, that's that's great offense. Uh, and now Kyle Shanahan will be challenged because he lost Joe Staley for like six or eight weeks, yeah. uh, their tackle. Uh, but the Bengals, the Bengals can't run the ball. They can't run the ball because their offensive line is disappointing. And we should say, as much as it pains us to say, 
part of the reason their offensive line has been disappointing is because Billy Price has been disappointing. Yeah, uh, did yeah. Billy Price's name come up in your pregame conversations down there? Because I got to tell you, well, I he am came st- in for Michael Jordan. I am stunned. Billy Price has not been a transformative player on the Bengals' offensive line. Yeah, I think uh, I think Billy's probably as disappointed as anybody, and you know he's 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 got a chance to turn it around. He's yeah. young in his career, might be a confidence thing. Here's one thing that I've noticed, and, and you would think like NFL players, Bruce, they're like the most confident dudes in the world, right? They believe in themselves. They're an NFL player. Uh, they've made it to the highest level from whatever position it may be. We talk about confidence all the time from wide receivers to quarterbacks to corners. Yeah. Those are the big confident positions. Yeah. Well, offensive linemen have it. And right now, and I haven't talked to Billy, so I don't know. But I'm just getting a feeling and watching him play yesterday. He got a, co- a holding call when he did get a chance to play. I think he's just lacking confidence. If he can get that confidence back and, and you know, he's going to get a chance to play now, we'll see yes. how he responds to that challenge. Uh, well, the Buckeyes certainly do not lack for confidence. Uh, big over the Indiana Hoosiers on Saturday, 51-10. to 10. Uh, This is your Flashes of Fun picture-perfect play of the day. It comes from Damon Arnett. And Indiana has really struggled with this Ohio State defense. Third down and goal at the seven. Ramsey wants to throw it. Does and intercepted Damon Arnett. Watch out. Damon Arnett breaks across the field. Damon Arnett still on the move. Damon Arnett stayed in school. Chris Carter said you weren't ready. Well, hey, Hall of Famer, I'm getting ready. 97 yards for a touchdown. Nice job by Gus Johnson folding in the Chris Carter story there. And Flashes of Fun will do a great job on your senior pictures or pet pictures. Look for them on Instagram, Flashes O Fun, or on the web at Flashes O, not of, Flashes O Fun. Com. First of all, I love Gus Johnson. He's a, you know what, thing I love about him, and it's I think what people uh, feel about me as an analyst, you either love him mm-hmm. or you hate him. There's no lukewarm. At least no, you generally- because he doesn't leave your room to be lukewarm. You either love the enthusiasm or you're like, okay, yeah. man, dial it back. I, I mean, I, I think he's really good, and especially on big calls like that and Joel Klatt shutting his mouth during that call, which is Joel's really good too, so... Kudos to Gus Johnson. The interesting point about that play was, I think there were maybe, what, seven other Buckeyes yeah. <laughs> leading him into the <laughs> Escorting him into the end zone. <laughs> no Hoosiers. I mean, you know, it, it, it is what it is. The one thing I learned about this week in watching college football, Big Ten's awful. People are saying the SEC, the Big Ten is awful. I agree. That's I mean, why I tweeted. The, the, right. now, you and I on our podcast Saturday after the game were very effusive in our praise of Ohio State. And I got some response. Uh, and you can always email the show, uh, Spielman and Hula, uh, Spielman Hooley Podcast at gmail.com. Spielman Hooley Podcast at gmail.com. People are like, oh, come on, it's Indiana. It's Florida, Atlantic, Cincinnati, Indiana. How can you say this? They got to play Michigan State. They got to play Wisconsin. They got to play Penn State. They got to play Michigan. I'm like, yeah, yeah, they do. Have you watched those teams play? <laughs> I mean, Michigan State yaks one away against Arizona uh, State awful. at home. Their offense is terrible. Penn State had a hard time shaking. Uh, who was it? it? Was not Middle Tennessee State. It was Buffalo or somebody two weeks ago. They dinked around for a half against them. Then Pittsburgh is not a great team. They had a really hard time with Pitt on Saturday. Michigan, uh, yeah, I watched them against Army. I don't see anything uh, at Michigan that scares me. Wisconsin. If the game were at Camp Randall, I would say that's the game. Mm-hmm. 
but the game is not at Camp Randall. And it's of Ohio Stadium. I believe Ohio Stadium is a 10-point advantage for Ohio State. And Wisconsin is just not 10 points better than Ohio State. I agree. And I think Wisconsin's one-dimensional. And the way Ohio State's playing run defense this year, I mean, I, I I don't know. What was it, the second quarter before Indiana had positive yardage? Yeah. They had 36 carries for 42 yards yeah. or some crazy number like that. Well, Jonathan Taylor is the guy. If he goes off, then it's a problem for Ohio State. If Ohio State stops Jonathan Taylor and you can enforce Wisconsin to have their beat you throwing the ball, which is not their identity, it's not who they are, uh, then you'll, you'll beat them. And I'm going to learn a lot about Wisconsin and Michigan this week. I mean, that's a game of interest to me. Certainly. At Michigan noon. at Wisconsin. I, on Fox at noon. So yeah. I, I just, <laughs> it, I mean, the, the biggest challenge that Ryan Day has is not, hey, Justin, get better pocket presence. It's, hey, guys, don't get overconfident. I get it. Yeah. We're, I mean, Ryan's Ryan Day's like hitting a daily double right now. He's got a quarterback that's playing, I think, above what his expectations, and he's playing in a league that is not very good this uh, year. And Ryan referred to that because he's getting a lot of questions about how do you keep these guys focused, how do you not get them, how are they not become overconfident when guys like Chris and I are saying what we're saying about them, that they're a locked playoff team. Here's Ryan Day referring to that after the game. I thought I thought we missed some deep balls. You know, I thought we had guys open and, and Justin missing. He knows he left some yards on the field, but um, but again, I think the the maturity of a coaching staff, the maturity of a team, is to go find the issues on film and get them fixed. Because as as time goes on and, and we start to play other teams and we get into the, the thick of the Big Ten, th- those issues are going to come up. And so it's our job to find them and get them addressed, uh, and and to really be critical of the players without creating resentment. And that that's the key. And I thought we did that last week, and, and the kids took the coaching. And we got to keep building from here and find those issues because they're there. <laughs> there are, they are there, but I, I always tell my kids, and this is a saying that I'm sure a lot of parents use, you know, uh, I didn't get to the sale at uh, PacSun, Dad. I was late. That's the first world problem, daughter. Yeah. <laughs> he missed a couple deep balls. Missed a couple deep balls, first world problem. <laughs> yeah. In the college football world. Here, here I got an idea. And – I'm sure Ryan won't. Maybe he'll take it in and use it. I don't know. My idea would be this: I'm playing Iowa from two years ago and Purdue on videotape throughout the facilities. Just this to keep them humble. is what this is can what happen. can happen. Yeah. Then I would play uh, Urban holding up the glass trophy and all the team all around him. Or this. Or could this happen. is happening. Yeah. This That's it. Happen. That's yeah. my only motivation because you can't lie to players. No, they know. They, they know, know how easy it they is. They are good, yeah. and they know they are. Not, you can't lie to them. You're not going to say, "Hey, we're not that good." Nobody believes that. They have eyes. They watch TV. They read social media. They know they are good, and I wouldn't lie to them. You guys, no, I don't think he has to. I, I and and this gets to what I said after the game, uh, and there was a snippet in that comment from Ryan we just played, where he said we want to correct them without creating resentment. Now, I said after the game that I think for this team this year, he's the perfect coach. That's not a knock on Urban. Urban recruited a great, great team. I believe they would be a great team with Urban, and I just think that this team is playing with a a, a relaxed enthusiasm that maybe it's not possible to play with when you have a guy like Urban who is so demanding of excellence. Did you catch Ryan Day where he said, 
We want to correct them yeah, without creating resentment. Now, you've said before, Urban is, you know, always on you. Everything's a competition, That's I think right. you've said with Urban. I'm not sure that correcting a problem without creating resentment was a priority for Urban. I and that's what I'm talking about is the distinction between Urban and Ryan Day. So there's probably two different styles is what you're saying. Yeah. And that doesn't mean one style is better than another style. But what we are seeing in the early returns is that this Buckeye team is responding to the style of Ryan Day. And, this Buckeye team. Yes, this, this Buckeye. One. Yeah, and the other Buckeye teams... When Urban's first year, when he goes twelve and zero, right? He could not. You could not have coached that team relaxed. They had no. you had to stay on him. And here's what I'll say about. But relaxed is it, they're still demanding. Right. Well, but, Ryan's competitive and yeah, demanding. Yeah, I mean that I, comment I just, that he said, like, "We're we're we got to find mistakes." He's not I mean, Tubby Tuberville no, or Tommy no, no, Tuberville. No, no, relaxed. No. Yeah. And here's what I'll say: Urban never let a small thing become a big thing because he caught all the small things. I think Ryan's catching all the small things too. His concern is let's keep the let's keep it as positive as we can in correcting them. The challenge for Ryan Day will be the reason why he's able to be that in my label fresh breeze is because he's got a team full of guys who remember how it was and are still living under the accountability that Urban ingrained in the culture. Eventually, those guys leave the program. And eventually, you risk that accountability also leaving the program. And the challenge for Ryan will be three, four, five years down the road. Does that accountability still exist in the program because he is a different guy than Urban? He's not as on you, in your face as Urban. And that has a purpose in a college football program. Nick Saban coaches that way. A lot of coaches who are elite coaches coach that way. The kinder, gentler approach, just to put a kind of a generalization on it, it's hard to keep that accountability over time. Sometimes, you know, each guy has it's the good cop, bad cop thing. I guarantee you there's some assistants that are on certain guys. Good point. And good you point. have to have that at the collegiate level. The, one of the, Everybody always asks me what's the biggest difference between the college game, besides talent and all that stuff mm-hmm. in the NFL game. In the college game, coaches – need to be accountable for the performance of the players. In the NFL game, players are the most effective accountability enforcer of its players. Player to player. Player to player film. The film is the most effective. You want to get a player to play? Everybody watch the film together as a team and how humbling it is to see you get your rear end kicked. And by the way, if you're playing an NFL game, there are going to be times when you are going to get hammered or smashed or embarrassed physically. Yeah. And you hold that, and you show that film in front of the whole team, that's accountability. That's how you uh, hold a team accountable in the NFL. In college, coaches are responsible for the accountability of players doing their job. In the NFL, it's the opposite. Players hold players accountable for doing their job. Uh, it'll be interesting for Ryan to see whether he can find any fault with an Ohio State running game Saturday. <laughs> J.K. Dobbins, 193 yards. Master Teague, a guy who Chris and I really Can love. we say we were first? Yeah, I think we can say we were first on the Master Teague bandwagon okay, as good. the coaches were slow to, um, to publicly embrace Master Teague. I think some of that might have been because they've – They've gone through this year where they're trying to get more out of J.K. Dobbins, but they're not necessarily, like, riding J.K. Dobbins. 
so maybe they were careful not to talk up Master Teague because they didn't want to, you know, get in J.K.'s head. Uh, Master Teague on Saturday, 10 carries, 106 yards. J.K. Dobbins, 22 for 193. It uh, all speaks to maybe some changes in the Ohio State offense from the Dwayne Haskins era where it was throw first and throw often. Now Ohio State obviously has a lot of balance, and we thought the run game – to have this kind of production would have to feature a bunch of zone reads from Justin Fields. Not the case on Saturday. Yeah, I'm, I'm proud of our offensive staff, you know, uh, starting with Kevin and Mike and Stud, uh, Tony, you know, Brian. You know, we, we've gone from, you know, a passing attack last year to now, now we're starting to run the ball. And, um, and I think that shows the versatility of, of our offense and that we can do both. And, you know, I think when you can have a balanced attack, it's, it's, it's important. But when you can get that run going, you can really control the game. And, and I think that's what we did today. That's our goal uh, in any game this year. But, uh, you know, last year was a little bit different with Dwayne. You know, it was just a whole different set of dynamics. Uh, this year uh, with, you know, we have multiple tight ends. We got a big veteran offensive line. Uh, I think we have, we're creating some depth at running back. And then to be able to do that and throw play action pass is, is really the idea right here. And uh, so, again, where does it go from here? I don't know. But I remember talking in the preseason, like, where's the journey? What, what's this offense going to look like? And, and we're starting to forge our identity, I think. Well, they're also going from under center, which was yeah. a rarity last year. And, and one of the reasons was Michael Jordan had a hard time with the quarterback center exchange. Well, it's clear to me that the Ohio State uh, coaching staff and Ryan Day are listening to Spielman and Hooley podcast. <laughs> That's good. It's a lot clear. of people are. We appreciate it. <laughs> it's clear. No, I, I just think that I don't know why they're slow to embrace Master Teague, but when you look at it, the way J.K. Dobbins plays, I think he had a perfect number of carries or starting running back and your number one guy, which is clearly J.K. Dobbins, at 22 carries. Okay, mm-hmm. Master Teague is a changeup and he's fresh and he, I think, energizes an offensive line because he runs through people. And both of the guys are, are north south guys, man. I mean, he Master Teague is straight north south, one cut and cut downhill, and gosh forbid anybody in his way is going to pay a price. But it's only going to make them that much more effective. And we talk about all the positions. The biggest surprise for me, and I thought this offensive line was awesome on Saturday. Mm-hmm. The way they sustain blocks and finish through the whistle is inspiring to a football team. And how that group is playing in Greg Strudwa, is that how we pronounce Stud- it? Studrawa. Studrawa, but yeah. I knew... He's, I've known the guy for years, so I just call him Stud. Stud yeah. It's a credit to his coaching and the guys responding to what he's teaching. Uh, Ryan Day had some comments about that offensive line and the defensive line, two areas where Ohio State dominated Indiana and uh, likely areas where they'll continue to dominate. Well, I think the O-line the last two weeks has done a really good job, and, and, and Kevin and, and Stud have done a really good job preparing the guys, not only with the looks, but just getting them going, just in terms of how they're running off the ball and moving the line of scrimmage. And I thought J.K. has been running hard. Master's been in there. He's running hard. And, and that matters as well because it's one thing to get the guy to the second level. It's another guy to make that guy miss for big plays. And I think uh, the D-line has controlled the line of scrimmage as well. They've created some sacks, uh, created some turnovers. And, and uh, you know, we can get teams in a throwing situation. Uh, I think it's advantage us. Score in all three phases Saturday. Offense, defense, special teams. Plot, uh, punt block by Chris Olave. 
It didn't turn the game around. I thought it broke Indiana's spirit. Like, if they had any idea, like, the block punt was like, no, not today. So how many other teams can afford in the Big Ten to play their best wide receiver, one of their most productive wide receivers on special teams? That's another Urban Meyer trait, I guess. You play him there because he blocked a punt against Michigan, he blocked a punt against Indiana. Touchdown, catch, block, punt, both games. But that How about the catch along the sideline? Where they initially said it wasn't a catch, and they right. go back and replay it. I mean, the kid is just an amazing receiver, well, amazing hands. The other thing is that because it's Ohio State, you can get the, your stars. Hey, you're playing special teams, dude. You you have yeah. something to offer, you know. And they and Ryan Day and the staff have the luxury of putting their starters on special teams because if a lot they happen to get hurt on special teams. It doesn't matter. The stormtrooper right behind them probably yeah. looked just like him. Yeah, I mean, they had uh, 17 completions to seven different guys, nobody with fewer than two, nobody with more than four. So good luck picking out the guy you have to stop there, uh, Miami of Ohio, I've, who is Ohio yeah. State's opponent on Saturday <laughs> at 3.30. Miami of Ohio, which lost to Cincinnati for the 14th straight time. Big Robert. Saturday in the victory bell battle. Yeah. I guess it's the longest running trophy game in college football. Got it. There's a trophy. There's a there's a trivia question you can win a drink with. Uh 38 to 14. So the team that Ohio State beat two weeks ago, 42 to nothing, beat the team they're playing this week, 38 to 14. I did sit down last night um and watch Iowa, Miami of Ohio. And uh, Miami of Ohio has a freshman, true freshman quarterback. Blaine Gabbert's little brother. They're not terrible, uh, but that might have been some of it because Iowa's not Ohio State. Yeah, I was I was not going to blow you off. They're a good football team. It, ha- it was a game at halftime, and then Iowa I was gonna, ran away in the second Kirk half. Kirk Ferentz plays uh, in, in coaches in, in his style is Jim Trestle's style. Yeah. That's what they are. Definitely. Definitely. Now, there was a moment yesterday in the Bengals game that was very interesting. It had nothing to do with the play on the field, but uh, certainly when there was a blowout, you have there to... There wasn't anything interesting on there the field There wasn't anything interesting the on half. the field. So you're filling time. You're doing everything you can do. You're going deep into the pregame prep, and they go to the booth, and here's Chris Spielman standing next to Tom Brenneman talking about uh, an experience you had in the NFL with Bengals all-time great Anthony Munoz. And why is that now playing? No idea why that's not playing. Uh, should play. Oh, here. Now I figured it out. The engineering <laughs> part of this is... Uh, anyway, uh, we'll get back to that. Uh, but do you guys do you guys have stuff there in case it gets out of hand every week? No, I mean, that's just part of the every game preparation. I mean, we have a bunch of stuff, but that's just part of the preparation and, and the thing about a broadcast is we, we never force anything I mean we that's why that's why I leave on Thursday we're meeting Friday we're meeting Saturday morning we're meeting Saturday night and you just never know what's going to come up but you want to be prepared for everything but you rarely use everything right yeah rarely but uh, yesterday I think you went deep into the well our buddy Anthony Munoz yeah yeah I remember preseason game my rookie year Anthony Munoz I was coming in on a sack on Boomer Science and getting my first sack preseason, I get it. I thought that was clear. Then all of a sudden, I did. I'm not, oh, my God. <laughs> That's what I felt. Right then Wait there. a minute. No, dude, I'm laying on the ground, and I said, I'm making a career decision oh right God. now. Do I still want to go stretcher in here somewhere? <laughs> Do I still want to come back and play after Boomer's game to the close? Oh, you okay? I mean, I don't know. Take it tough, though. We'll be all right. Our buddy, yeah, Anthony yeah. Munoz. Was, uh, yeah. Tom Brenneman, uh, 
Not knowing you were going to do that. No, no. And the problem is, I I love football so much, and when I start talking about football, I get fired up. Yes, you do. And when I went to hit him, I w- I wasn't going to hit him that hard, but I hit him really hard. And what I did was I put my left hand behind his back to make sure that he wouldn't go down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you don't want to and, injure the play. And after man. that, continued on, and you know, Tom and Marty Brenneman, of course, is retiring after the forty-six mm-hmm. year career this year, and Tom's going to do some. Uh, I think Marty's second to last game with his dad, which is really cool. But I was kidding, Tom. I said, you know, Tom, half the people in Cincinnati are standing up cheering that I just clotheslined you, right? He goes, you got that right. Yeah. No doubt about it. Uh, well, Tom <laughs> is extremely talented. You guys are good together. Uh, you've fun. had a lot of a lot of uh, great partners, people over the years, and you've gotten along with all of them. I mean, you you do a you well, do a nice job uh, maximizing them, and I think he does a nice job maximizing you. Uh, it, it's interesting because I always hear people, and I don't know if anybody's interested in broadcast story stuff, but I am. So you have to listen. <laughs> That's right. I think people are interested by well, the way. Sometimes there's tension in broadcast booths. And, and I, I think oh, well, we had the Tigers broadcasters got in a fight yeah, last year. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a great point, right? Yeah. And I could never understand that because to me, and it's got to be ego-driven, but to me, being on a broadcast, it's a team. They say broadcast teams. And it's yeah. not only just Tom and I and Shannon. It's Mark Tuttleman, the director, Greg Scopatoni, the uh, producer. It's all these guys Working together is one. And the only thing that I can think why guys wouldn't get along or they're arguing or is, is it's got to be ego because I need more camera time or I need this. I That's mean, exactly like, what it is. You know, after every quarter, because I'm very conscious of this, after every quarter, I ask Tom, if I, am I giving you enough room? Do you need anything from me? Did I, did I miss anything? And it's the thing I love about this job is that it's a lot of work to get ready for one game. And it's a lot of information that you put into your brain and focus on two teams. It's like breaking down the whole game plus other stuff that needs to go Mm -hmm. into the game. And you might use a quarter of it, but you want to be ready. And that's why I love this job because it kind of reminds me of what I was as a player. So Let me see if I can remember most of them. Pam Ward, Mark Jones, Sean McDonough. Uh, and then I kind of lost track on the NFL because I don't often get the treat of being able to hear Dick Stockton you. for a couple games, okay. the great Dick Stockton and and uh, and Tom Brenneman. But uh, oh, and Dave Pash, yeah, and Dave Pash, uh, Steve Levy. I worked with with a couple. I've worked with a bunch of guys. I love it. And you know, my job is to you know know when to shut up and know when to talk. Like if there's a big play or big moment, that's not my thing. That's their thing. That's what they're trained to do. That's why their voices are, or can, they can raise levels and take it down certain levels mm-hmm. and make you live the moment. And Tom is one of the best. I've worked with great guys. I've been so fortunate. And the best compliment that I can give a, uh, a partner in the booth, a play-by-play guy, is that they force me to be better because I want to live up to their standard. I never, you know, you, you often hear highlights where the play-by-play guy is uh, cut in on. I hate that. So yesterday, I got to call you on this. The first touchdown to the 49ers, ball's in the air, and you said, touchdown. Do you regret that, or do you think that was okay? No, because he didn't catch the ball yet. But I knew He didn't it was catch a, the ball yet. Yeah. No, it, yeah. as soon as it left his hand, yeah. touchdown. touchdown. <laughs> yeah, and it was. Man, was he open. That was a... <laughs> Harbinger of things but to come I shouldn't for the have Cincinnati said it, But in all fairness, yeah, I shouldn't have said it, but sometimes I say things out loud. <laughs> a 
really? that I say to myself, but somehow they come out loud. Because <laughs> I'm sitting there, and like, as soon as, as soon as the ball left his hand, touchdown. There was just nobody there. I mean, it was just yeah. crazy. Just an example of what the Bengals dealt with that day. All right, NFL uh, headlines around the league. Drew Brees hurt. Ben Roethlisberger hurt. Yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers have trips to, I think, San Francisco and the Chargers coming trouble. up, and they got to go to Baltimore. Uh, real quickly, like 10 seconds on each of these. Do you believe in Lamar Jackson's sustainability? Yes. I believed in him coming out of college. I, do I don't know if you remember us talking I, I about do. that. You believe in him? I do not. All right, Antonio Brown. Uh, will he continue to play for the uh, New England Patriots, or will the NFL intervene for optics alone, given this uh, ugly civil suit? The NFL has to intervene if there's anything. I'm going to wait for the investigation to come out, but in, only because in, we live in a world where there's so many allegations made. It could be mm -hmm. with Antonio Brown. It could be with Brett Kavanaugh. I just don't know, so I just want the evidence to come out and and wait for it to happen. From my understanding, I heard this in the news report, that there was a negotiation between the victim and Antonio Brown. That Correct. negotiation broke down. As soon as the negotiation broke down, civil suit was filed. Yeah, so there's so many different levels to I that. Just, uh, I just can't we're, we're comment staying, on it. We're staying fair. away from the specifics of it because, uh, because it is so complex. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, if he did this, uh, he should never play football again. He should be in jail right. if he did this. So, but it's yeah. not a criminal matter. If it's he didn't do it, matter. should yeah. the, should the person accusing of yeah. him of doing it uh, yeah. have uh, consequences? I think yes. I think so. Yes, you can't falsely accuse no. somebody of doing stuff like this. No, I mean it's but but we do have the one thing we what do we know? We we have the text message he sent her or the Facebook message or whatever the message was, and that is very ugly. That is a very ugly message. Right. All right. So I, I, uh, I just I don't have all the information. So I, I I've learned a less my lesson a long time ago that I'm not going to prejudge any of this because I don't know. Yeah, and that's, if that's, this is true, and that's in no way uh, on our part an endorsement of him as of a person not. or playing or anything like that. It's just that I think we would all want to be uh, innocent until proven guilty. I'm I'm yeah, and and here's here's a a, a trick that. The media uses and no political side here. Just the, if indeed true, if this is true, if true, if true. That's how they they preface everything by saying if true. true. Yeah. And they're throwing an allegation out there yeah. as it's true. Right. A lot of it should be. But they be sneak reported. it in there if true. If true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sure. come on. But you could put all that. Label. So I'm not doing that. I'm not falling into that trap. Right. Exactly. We hope you'll email the show Podcast at gmail.com. Podcast at gmail.com. Brock did so. This is our email of the week. Uh, Brock says, I just wanted to say I've been listening to you guys since I was a teenager in high school, all the way back to your days at the fan. My dad and I would listen every day while we worked together for his painting business. I still recall some of my favorite segments you guys did, like it was yesterday. My father became ill a few years back and had to retire and close his business. I was taking him to an appointment a few days ago, and I plugged the podcast into the truck, and we listened while we drove. I can't express the nostalgia I felt, and I know he felt as well as we got to listen to you guys together again. I'm almost 30 now, and we enjoyed it just as much as before. Just wanted to say thanks. I appreciate what you do to help me get through my work week. Great. That's why we do this. Thank you. Yeah. That's why we do this. Uh, and then he says, my non-sports kind of silly question to you guys is this. If you could only have one movie, one music album, one favorite food, and one favorite book for the rest of your days, what would your choices be? All right, Spiels, if you could only have one movie. Braveheart. Uh, the Sting. I know. You love that movie. I love that I movie. I got to watch it. Yeah. It's before uh, my time. What, it is before your time. <laughs> one music album. 
Uh, Bruce Springsteen, Darkness on the Edge of Town. Uh, mine would be uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, uh, anything Stevie Ray Vaughan, uh, probably in step. Uh, one favorite food? Boy, that's a tough one. Probably uh, baked chicken with Bob Evans mashed potatoes. Uh, and salad with Italian. I mean, dressing. I don't know if I'm on a desert island here. Is that if I'm, one? I, if <laughs> Is that I'm day not, three? If I'm not on a desert, if I'm on, a, if I'm not on a desert island, and I have like access to oh, cooking is it, utensils. Is it desert island? No, I'm just saying. I don't know. I'd have eggs because eggs are versatile. I could eat them hard boiled. I could eat them poached. I could eat them scrambled. Uh, but if I'm on a desert island, I'll take pizza. Although I don't know how you're getting hot pizza to an island. <laughs> uh, and one favorite book for the rest of your days. That one's probably a layup for both of us. Yeah. I mean, excluding the Bible? Yeah, is that I'm what you're not saying? Gonna, I mean, I'm not going to exclude the Bible. No, so I'm not excluding the Bible. But, but, but if say, we exclude... If yeah, true, if true, we exclude would, the Bible, it would be... Uh, I read it as a kid, and I read it seven times. Newt Rockney, All-American. <laughs> That's classic. Did you ever hear of the book? Yes, of course. In my favorite youth... Uh, Author, by what the way. What was the first book you remember reading? Would that have been it? Yes. Mine would have been The Baseball Life of Sandy Koufax. Okay. <laughs> Just trivia that has yeah. nothing to do with anything. My favorite youth author, and I know some of our listeners remember this author because he used to write children's sports books, and his name was Matt Christopher. I don't know him. Don't know his work. I, I'd be interesting if we get any uh, feedback on that. But I read every one of Matt Christopher's books. Great. By the way, uh, speaking of books, if you have teenage girls, search my wife's book on uh, Amazon and uh, Sherry Hooley, S-H-E-R-I, Sherry Hooley. Search her book on Amazon. For young girls, it's, uh, you know, good uh, uh, safe language and good themes and all those things. So I'd like to hear reviews on that uh, if you don't mind indulging in a totally self-serving endeavor there. Uh, okay, so mine, wow, non-exclude the Bible. You said, oh, it wasn't Sandy Koufax? No, that's the first book. Sherry's book? I, no. How many books have you written? Uh, how many books have I written? Mm -hmm. This is, yeah, that's what I would do just to pump the sale, but how many, yeah. sales of That's uh, yeah, Why I'm Here, you. the Chris and Stephanie Spielman. But how story. many, you've written two books or three? I've written two, yeah. The other one is Ohio State's Unforgettables. Yeah. So there you go. All right, so now we uh, conclude the show today with an email from Dominic in Illyria. Dominic says, you guys are both very out front with your faith. Is there anything that's ever happened in your life that's made you question whether your faith is real? Go first. I uh, went no. first. For me, one. no. And I credit that to my parents, uh, both of whom I've lost in the last two years. Uh, I was never one of those kids to question uh, or, or people to question when things have gone bad in my life. I've had uh, some tough circumstances in my life with losing friends, with um, some other things that have happened since I've become an adult. But uh, for me, going back to my faith has always been an automatic uh, because I saw my faith modeled by my parents. So uh, I just sort of understand my place in the food chain. And my place in the food chain is God is God and I'm not. I know he loves me. I know he doesn't mess with me. I know he sent his son to die for me and, uh, and allow me to be acceptable in his sight so that I can go to heaven. That allows me to live with perfect peace. It doesn't, uh, uh, doesn't free me from worry. Uh, when the zone folded, I'm worried about how I'm going to provide for my family. But the place that I always go is uh, right back to the Bible, right back to my faith. And I just feel like whenever I'm hit with a tough circumstance, the right move for me, the go-to move for me is to go back to that and to base everything that I do on that. Because there have been times in my life where I've drifted in my faith and I've tried to do things and control things and sustain things in my own power. 
And I, so I have two things I can compare, Bruce in control or God in control, and God in control works out a lot better. So for me, the answer is no. It's never shaken me to the point where I go, well, that doesn't exist. That's not true. Uh, no, for me, it's very, very real, and I'd be happy to talk with any of you about it. Well, as it, have I ever questioned it as if, if there is a God, if there is not a God? No. I've always had a very honest relationship with God. Uh, I think it's naive to think that anybody could lie to God. I'm not mad at this circumstance, God. I'm not mad at this situation. Why are you doing or question God's plan or motive or whatever's going on? But then what is humbling, if you look back, and as you said, go back biblically, you look at the book of Job, right? Mm -hmm. And who did God... Uh, give access, who did God let have access to Job? Satan. Gave okay. him permission. Gave him permission to go torment Job. But said you can't end his life. Right. But he took Anything everything else, else short of that. Everything else. Go for it. Wiped out. Then God restored plentiful, right? So I don't know the reasons for certain things. And I'm sure Job could not understand why he had to go through what he had to go through. I think one thing that we have to do is that, and you hit on it, and you didn't use the term, but you referenced the term, is there's an eternal perspective. You have to keep an eternal perspective in mind that throughout this lifetime, there will be trials and tribulations. They're coming. And you have to look at those as an experience. And I remember having the question, Myself, not if there's a God or not a God, but when we're in a situation, okay, it's fine that I'm mad at God or I'm having an honest conversation with what's going on here or I'm trying to cut deals with God. But a lot of people, when that happens to them, they run away from God. So when Stephanie passed away, I wrote my kids a note and I said this, look, you got to make this decision. During this time of trouble, you're either going to run to God or you're going to run away from God. One of them's going to happen, mm -hmm. and I strongly advise you because I love you because you will find peace if you run to God. So I've never questioned uh, the existence of God. I never uh, questioned the authority of the Bible. I never questioned the death and the resurrection of Christ because if I did and if that weren't true, then I'm wasting breath and oxygen and being on this earth. There's nothing to yeah. live for. If yeah. you're not living for the eternal for eternity, what are you living for? Nothing. There's there's yeah, no there's meaning. Nothing. No, there's not. I mean, the wisest man that ever lived, Solomon, in the book of Ecclesiastes, says over and over and over again, everything here is meaningless. <laughs> no kidding. Everything. Yes, except Ohio State football. Just yeah. kidding. There you go. Just kidding. Yes. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Bring it all back to center. Uh, so we'll be back on Wednesday with another uh, Spielman Hooley podcast. Email the show, Podcast at gmail.com. We really appreciate it. Go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. And uh, we're going to start an insider's email for all of you. So if you'd like to be on the insiders, know what's coming up on upcoming shows, guests, uh, hopefully remote appearances and things like that, let us wow. know. Really? Yeah. When were you going to inform Spring me of all this? When I had one When booked. you're CEO. When I have one book. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so uh, we love doing this with you guys. We love the response we've gotten. Thanks, and everybody have a great day.